Hey guys, it's Mandy. Before we dive into this week's episode, I want to take a minute to thank my patrons. You are the ones making this possible. You are the ones keeping restorative grief, both on the airwaves and in the lives of people who need grief support and a better understanding of how to support themselves through their losses. So if you're interested in joining us, you can visit my website, mandykpart.com, for all the links to check out the premium episodes and premium content that are available to you by becoming a patron. Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy K. Park. You are listening to episode 47, titled Slowing into Flow States with Sifu Rubia. This week, my guest Ruby Smollins is the owner of Wei Wu Tai Chi, an online Qigong and Tai Chi studio, and our conversation felt otherworldly. As it does, her story of loss at a very young age surfaced later in life when she began to learn martial arts. And it is her practice of martial arts that helped her integrate her loss into her story of life. I can't wait for you to hear some of the beautiful wisdom and insights and stick to the end because there is a lovely Marvel reference as well. (laughs) Hello, Rubia. Welcome to Restorative Grief. How are you? Hi, Mandy. I'm well, thank you. Well, I am so grateful that you're here today. I think the topic we're going to unpack for our friends and audience members is such a beautiful conversation of just a tool that people can pick up and practice and integrate into their lives. So before we get into that, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who you are? So uh, my name is Rubia. Uh, I'm an adoptee. So I was abandoned as as an infant in Bangladesh, uh, maybe a year or two after it became independent from Pakistan and literally abandoned on a sidewalk. And so I was found and brought to an orphanage and I was adopted after that into a Canadian family. That in a nutshell is my grief story. I think when you start that early with a deep loss, it kind of shapes your, your nervous system for one, and it shapes, just shapes everything. So I'm happy to unpack a little bit of that with you and share, share a little bit of that with you. And then my experience with Qigong and Tai Chi and how that it wasn't necessarily the focus of healing, but it, it definitely helped navigate the unpacking of the the grief that kind of settled into my body and still there and grief never leaves you. So. Yeah. I I don't want to go too deep into that part of it because we would talk for three hours and then never get to the, (laughs) to the other part of it. But I, I love that you commented and brought to the surface, the fact that that level of grief, even at a young age, before you are necessarily cognizant of the impact does carry through. I think as adults, we have it very set in our minds that children are resilient, that they heal, Mm -hmm. that they don't remember when the reality is as whole beings, we experience those impacts in our nervous system, like you said, but heart, mind, body, and spirit. It's, It's a fully integrated thing that we have to learn how to process as an adult. Yes. And I didn't even realize I was grieving until well in into my 20s. It's just been an ongoing process. What was it that brought it to your attention that brought all of it to the surface where you realized this is something that I need to pay attention to? I got angry. I got really angry. And anger is probably the biggest manifestation of grief. And yeah, I had to sit with that anger. (laughs) I've never really said that out loud, I think. Um, Yeah, but that, that, that would probably be an aha moment. When exactly, I can't really say because 
if you if you pull the thread back and you look at things in reverse and you reverse engineer everything, then you realize the anger was always there and it was being manifested in in different ways, you know, hiding through the veil of, you know, being a teenager and and growing pains and all of that. But beyond there was something deeper than that 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 really it just kept going. It it was a force in itself. And then studying, studying martial arts, I think is what brought it out the most, because when I started getting into training with weapons, that's really when I started realizing like there's, there's an energy here that I'm not dealing with that needs an outlet. And that's fine. That's good. You know, throwing swords around is fun and all, but what's really going on? So, and that's fairly recent, I would say in the past 10 years, that's been, you know, manifested. Wow. That's, I can absolutely see you feeling so empowered and excited about martial arts practice and learning new, you know, growing and becoming this independent 20 something, and then having a revelation of, wait a minute, everything feels much more intense than it should in this moment. There's got to be something deeper and anger is a secondary emotion. So it's always protecting us from something underneath. That's Mm -hmm. probably a little more tender to the touch. So That's a, a very beautiful thing to realize at the start of such a lifelong training process. If you, you know, if you stick with martial arts in any form mm-hmm. and clearly you have, it's not something you can just say, oh man, I'm super angry, but I'll get through that and then continue training. It's such a whole person process to train. Yeah. Through, so. Yeah. And I, you know, being in the, the world a little bit and just uh, speaking with teachers and colleagues and peers and all of that, like you, you find it, that peace is there in them and they've channeled it through their, the art form. And I think that's what art at the end of the day, that's what art is for, is for us to transcend the, you know, the, those deep pains, the sorrows, the, the things we don't want to talk about, the things that, that, that have hurt us, you know, a lot of people transcend those things through, through art and martial arts are, is, is no different. I agree wholeheartedly. That yeah. integration part is transformative. So with that in mind, let's talk about your Tai Chi practice and how that became the focus of your, of your time. It definitely has now, now that, uh, again, COVID just pivoted us for, you know, everybody in different ways and, and, a lot more people are finding them, themselves in service and, you know, being heart centered in their work and whatnot. So there's a lot of beauty coming out of that I'm being witness to personally. So I think my, my journey was just, it, it was an injury. It was through another big loss. I, I miscarried my back just started doing wonky things and my yoga practice wasn't, wasn't helping. If anything, it was aggravating my back to a point where I couldn't, couldn't move. So uh, and I like to move. I need to move. And where uh, I did my yoga teacher training, there was also a Qigong and Tai Chi program. And so I explored Qigong first, and that ultimately helped me build the strength that I needed to restore mobility in my back. And then from there, I went on to Tai Chi, and it just became one thing after another. Tai Chi is, is an exploration. It's an invitation to let go, first of all. And it's an invitation to soften the, the, the hard edges. It's a very yin practice. So, uh, well, you, you did the course. So you, you discovered for yourself the qualities of, you know, moving gently and moving mindfully and softly and all of these things, like the benefits 
in the immediate, I, there's always immediate return, but long-term return is, you know, it's a beautiful life practice. Your, your senses are heightened, so you get to, to be present in a different way with heightened sensory faculties, which can be interesting as well. <laughs> yeah, so that's part of the, the journey and kind of how it's, it's woven itself into my life. As opposed to yoga, my yoga practice, I always felt was my, my true place of healing. I never really wanted to teach yoga because when you end up teaching, you have to give it away. You can't hold on to it. It doesn't belong to you anymore. So I never wanted to give my yoga practice away that way. But Tai Chi and Qigong, I always felt that it never belonged to me and that it needed to, to pour out of me. So I started teaching 10, 11 years ago, and, and now I'm just teaching on a different level with these online courses and, and being a little more virtual with people or yeah, just reaching yeah. more people. Yeah, absolutely. Can you describe the difference between Qigong and Tai Chi for people who don't know? Well, they're both Qi work. So you're both working with your vital force, your vital energy that flows through everything in the universe, you know, trees, plants, animals, humans, anything that has, you know, a, a vibration has, has pranas. Qigong, gong simply means to cultivate, to work, to toil. Uh, so qi gong, qi work, and then tai chi is also called the grand ultimate, and it's a martial expression of qigong. I guess in its simplest way, that's that's how it can be explained. So, take me through the internal mentality, because I know a lot of people in my grief practice recommend a movement, whether it's yoga, which is an easy one to say, oh, tr- you know, look it up online, try that but it does slow you down. We were talking off the air about how I am a always in motion, quick moving, fast paced person. And even as I practice Tai Chi through your course and in my own attempts, <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. say it, we will say attempts in the mm-hmm. past. Um, I struggle to become present enough and really slow down. So take me through the mentality of just what you experience in the process and, and what it has helped you recognize about your own life where you're at at any given moment when you're practicing so you have to want to do it (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) that's the first thing and then i I, i've only said this uh, a few times but i walked out of my first tai chi class (laughs) (laughs) okay you're not alone then that's good no 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 and then here i am sitting with you speaking about it in this way so uh, you have to you have to want to be still. You have to allow your 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 body to tap into that softer resonance. And it takes it takes discipline. It takes mindfulness, uh, willingness. There has to be purpose. So for me, my purpose was uh, I wanted to heal my, heal my back. I'd been like six or nine months with it going out every other week. So I was really <laughs> intent on making something work. You just have to want to do it and push through the the chatter and push through the the need to go faster. The deepest part of the practice is catching yourself in those moments and rewiring yourself to do different, not necessarily even the opposite, but just creating a different behavior. In that space, when you do that, you're getting into the medicinal properties of of what these practices can do. Uh, Anytime you link breath to movement and mindful mind, body, spirit, energy, matter, meaning, whenever you're merging all of these 
things together as one, you're you're in a flow state. You're in that that flow state of co-creation, and you're you don't want to be your, once you discover that space, you don't want to be anywhere else. <laughs> Absolutely, that is what I will say in my experience. Where when I have forced myself to recognize this is what you want, you want the outcome of stillness, of inner recognition of where you are from where you've been and having a greater, a softer place to land in a world of hard edges. As I like to say, mm-hmm. I have experienced flow state in writing, right? As an author, things will start coming out and I'm like, this is good. Or even just in productivity, but there is a very different experience when you are in flow state and you feel fully in alignment with like all of creation all at once mm-hmm. in the middle of a practice like Tai Chi. And, and that you're, you're completely right. It's, it's addictive. Yeah. You just don't want to, you want, you want to keep finding that place and, and you lose it, (laughs) you lose it. And then you find it with a different lens because your lens has changed. So you're looking at it through, through a different lens every time that you lose it and, and search for it again. So it's this, this ebb and flow, like, you know, like the ocean ebbs and flows yin and yang, all of that. So you're in that, in that flow state flow state yes but also the the ebb of that flow state is equally important so the the values are equally as important as looking at and trying to reach the peak so it's equanimity you're definitely cultivating a space of equanimity and i sound enlightened right now but it does it's work I know I sound yeah. like I'm an expert because I am, yeah. but also I'm no, <laughs> no, because I, I'm not, you know, it's, I surrender and I, I'm unbelievably humbled to the practice and it's a daily, it's a daily effort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we, if we circle it back to, to the topic, which is, which is grief and what your listeners kind of tune in for the, the first therapist, I, I, one of the first therapists I went into, one of the things that, that they said was, Grief is is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So don't try and figure it out right away. So I'm sure you've heard that before, but that continuously hits home. So you're, you know, catching yourself in moments of, you know, sorrow or grief or even joy. Like the, the grief is the joy that you miss, really. It's, it's more joy than pain if you think about it. Definitely an absence that if left unattended will grow in its impact and in the way that we are able to move forward in our lives in any arena with this untended grief behind us, it just becomes so convoluted trying to sort it out the longer you ignore it. And I think that martial arts and certainly the slower martial arts are such incredible tools to have in your pocket when those big waves of grief come tend, you know, come back up to the surface. There's a thought process that I offer to a lot of my clients about if you were to imagine that you were steady and immovable and completely still and strong and all the things, how long do you think you could actually maintain that level of intensity? And then, you know, most of us say, well, I've been strong all my life. I've had to cope all my life. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, okay, then I want you to sit down or wherever you are. I want you to tighten every consciously tighten every muscle you have in your body. And I want you to hold it for as long as you can. And of course it does not take long before fatigue sets in and it starts mm-hmm. to hurt and ache. And it is such an easy way for me to point and say, see, you weren't ever meant to be that stiff, that strong, that steady, mm-hmm. that, that physically immovable. You were designed for movement and you were designed for 
steady movement, not fast paced, you know, shake it out and be a crazy body person the whole time. It's you have different times, different seasons for different techniques. Well, that was really beautifully said. Oh, thanks. Thank you for sharing that. I'm learning too. Yeah. (laughs) Dynamic exchange, everybody. That's the best part. (laughs) That's it's really the reason I decided to do this podcast. I'm like, I need better insight for myself. I'm going to talk to people who are smarter than me and see what comes of it and let other people benefit too. But I'm curious, as you brought it back to your grief process earlier, your adopted parents, how did they, have they been a part of your, your healing process and recognizing later in life? Like how have they been in response to recognizing like, oh, I'm super angry and grieving that I was abandoned as a child, because I imagine that would be a very complex topic to address with them. I realized as I was saying, I'm like, this is kind of a, a mean left field question. I didn't mean to no, do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't see it like that. Okay, I, good. It was unexpected. And I don't speak about it very much because it it wasn't it wasn't easy. I don't think it was easy for them to watch me go through it without knowing that I was going through it. On the other hand, I also felt like they knew I was going through it, but didn't hold my hand through it. So that became like a second confusing loss and they had their own issues with their own marriage and we went through divorce and all of that stuff. They did the best that they can, but just circling back and trying to be as gentle as I I can with this. I think it was probably difficult for them to watch. You know, I think people do the best that they can with the tools that they have. I've accepted that. Yeah. I, I don't know how to answer it more than that. And and I, I'm sorry, I wasn't. No, I think that that's perfect. <laughs> I, I have a tendency to like have these beautiful thoughts in my head about someone's story. And as a former journalist, I have a background in question. Yeah. And asking big questions. And I'm always like, Oh, this one. Okay. Well, no, it was, it was a great question. And I, and I don't want to do myself a disservice and I don't want to do your, your, your audience. You know, I don't want to leave everybody hanging either because it, it's a big question and it's important, but it's layered. I think it's complicated and it's layered because I, I currently have complicated relationships with them. Um, so they're not, I can't say they're fully healed. Those relationships are fully healed. And so I can't speak. Okay. Yeah. You you follow what I'm saying. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's beautiful about the practice, and maybe you can speak to this is that healing is ongoing. It's very much Mm -hmm. a spectrum that really doesn't have an end. It's infinity. Right. And so as we grow and learn how to integrate what we're carrying into our sense of self regardless of how many secondary losses come from the initial grief event, because they do left and right out of nowhere. I think have I had enough secondary losses with this event? Nope. We get three more. Okay, great. (laughs) Fantastic. What has your practice offered you as these secondary losses occur? Because in the moments you can't stop like in the middle of a grocery store and begin your Tai Chi practice, but you can still have have you? Yes. Oh, say more about that. Oh, no, I have. I have. And I remember, I remember my husband at the time, I'm divorced now, but he was, he was looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm practicing at the airport. You'll see me in a corner somewhere doing my Tai Chi. Uh, you said this earlier and it, I use the exact same words. This is a practice for me. It, it's a soft place for me to fall and to settle into. And I've created that for myself. That's what the practice became to me. It became a place where I could 
I could soften into, and I don't know how to explain it other than that. And you, you said it earlier and doing it faster, I think is kind of the key to be able to realize there's an emotion that's come up and that's triggered and how do I breathe through it? So I'm able to get into my breath and my, my awareness and being present a lot faster. So again, that took time and cultivating and all of that. So that's one of the gifts of the ongoing practice of breath to movement. Yeah. And I've been doing the same movements for 15 years. My fundamentals, the ones that I share on my on my site and, and the courses that I've produced, those are the fundamentals. Like those are the ones that I do all the time. From there, I, I've just started exploring other forms of Qigong and Tai Chi and whatnot. It's interesting that you bring that up because it makes me think of all the yoga asanas that I struggle to memorize and practice. And I end up going back to the same five to 10 asanas myself in my own practice, regardless of what I want to move into. And I think there's a real beauty to that consistency. It's like an immediate grounding because my body has the memory of exactly you've, you've been here. This is important. I love that you share that because I think when people think of new practices, the last thing we want to learn when we're grieving is a whole new thing right? Is something complex and ancient and detailed that feels like we're going to get it wrong. And then Mm. that's one more thing. How does the consistency in Tai Chi create consistency for you in your life? You just, you end up moving through life very differently. I move a lot slower and more mindful, just even walking. And there's, you know, walking meditations in, in the course as well. So it, you just end up moving through life differently. And I think I mentioned earlier, your sensory system is super heightened because you're slowing everything down. You're heightening everything else. Uh, and then one tip for you, if you want to continue your, your Tai Chi practice, try, try practicing or start practicing with your eyes closed and you're really going to like level up your senses. Yeah. You just move through the world differently. For me, it's been a process of, of self-realization. So for me, it's been like a very spiritual practice and finding myself in service and, and again, giving, giving the tools to other people to have the same experience. I mean, people will have their own experiences. <laughs> yes, they will. It reminds me, what you just said reminds me of Victor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning, that you are in our life, like that we can discover meaning in our lives in three different ways, by creating a work or a good deed, by experiencing something or someone, and then the attitude we take towards unavoidable suffering. All of those things I have always interpreted as make art, Mm -hmm. share art, invest in community and like make art, share about it. Hey, here's my art. And also here I offer it to you. And it sounds like your practice has really brought you to a place where you found something so precious within yourself and then moved through it in a way that you've begun to show that preciousness to other people in a new way. Thank you for saying it that way. I, yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. That really, that warms my heart. Mm, I'm so glad. <laughs> one, one great quote that's a very simple quote, and it says, it's a student speaking to his master and he, the student says, master, I'm, I'm depressed. And then the master said, then go sit with someone who's depressed. You know, they like go teach someone who's, who's depressed. So we all have that in us. That's where the healing comes. You know, it's, it's meeting people where they are in a space of compassion and empathy. And when we, when we can meet people there, then that's, that's just a whole different vibration that you're, you're creating. Yeah. 
right? And the world needs more of that. And there are more people speaking about that now. So again, I have hope for, for the world that we're, we're co-creating. A lot of light workers coming out of the woodwork and who've been there for a long time too. Like we're not talking about people in their 30s. We're talking about people in their 70s who've yeah. been doing, you know, this is their life's work. Where I think it really all came together for me with the Tai Chi and Qigong is discovering astrology and studying oh. astrology a lot more deeply. I think that's really what solidified really moving through the world with compassion, just understanding how we're all born with a different blueprint, a birth chart. And we all have struggles that are transient because of the the transits that, you know, the cosmos is having and, and affecting us. I think astrology is what really solidified all of my practices. And it, it'll continue to. Yeah. yeah, it reinforced what you were already experiencing oh, and saying that there's more... My sister is the same way. She's very, very educated and intelligent around birth charts and insight. And she'll, she'll call me and say, you're not actually this Zodiac sign. That's a simplification. You're this and you're, I'm going to butcher it because I can't Mm -hmm. follow it. Go for it. You're in the house of the rising sun and the moon sets on Venus. And then you have this flower in at noon or something. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. And she does too. She's like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you again, your moon sign is this. And I'm like, yeah, people think they're people actually think that they're their sun signs and they're actually who who they put out in the world is their ascending sign. Your ascending sign affects your, your house systems. And then you're actually aspiring to be your sun sign. You are saying the same words around what I use in my practice for mm-hmm. understanding others of the Enneagram. Yeah. So it's the same ancient type of wisdom that seems to make this otherworldly sense and creates a deep well of compassion in me mm. toward others when I am observing them or getting to know them toward myself when I'm observing myself and realizing, whoo, that was a <laughs> that was an interesting thought that I just had. Where did that come from? And I think that that's such a glorious way of compounding the fact that we are complex nuanced humans that are just trying to do our best through all of the life circumstances that it hands to us. And, and I'm, I'm curious with that in mind, you've got all of these new techniques and, and theories that you're integrating into yourself. How's the recognition of anger today versus when you first found it and got brought it to the surface? You're such a great interviewer. Um, No, you really are. Yeah. It's just refreshing. So thank you. How's the anger coming along? Well, a lot better, a lot better. I I move through life with a lot more sincere joy. I think when you grow up with grief, when it's really that deeply ingrained, you you learn to create a different personality for the outer world because grief is such an, it's an inner thing. It's it's your inner world that's destroyed. Although I've always been joyful and create joyful experiences with people that are true and I've always been sincere, I think I'm I'm just finding a different, more settled joy in my life and in my in my being, in my in my essence and in my core. And I definitely attribute that to my devotional practices. Yeah. For sure. But I, I've been committed to my healing for for a very long time. And you have to commit to it. You definitely have to commit to to wanting to be better, do better. It's the only way things change is if you heal yourself. So I took that responsibility very seriously. I'm in a good place, but thanks for asking. 
<laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The intentionality of it, it, we've got this wrong mindset. And I don't know where it started, but I would love to be the one that ends it. That you can just wait and let healing come to you. That whole just, you know, sit and observe and pray and hope that something will change. And I agree with prayer and hope and intentional waiting. That Don't get me wrong. You can't strong arm the universe or right. your healing, but- right you can partner with it. And in fact, if you don't, you've got a lot of opportunity to lay blame instead of choosing responsibility or choosing a different way or choosing to partner with people in your life. Like, like you, these brilliant teachers that are coming out of the woodworks, like you say, to just come alongside us and, and help us recover. Well, we are pretty much out of time, which is too bad, but why don't you tell us where we can find you, how we can join your course, all the details, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Okay, very good. Thank you. Where you can find the courses is tai chi wellness.online. So tai chi t a i c h i wellness w e l l n e s s dot online. And there's a series of of courses, so tai chi fundamentals, qigong for grounding. I'm working on bridging the yamas and the niyamas with qigong and I'm working on co-creating with the universe with qigong. So a lot of good stuff in in the pipeline and uh, maybe by the time this airs there they will be out. And I'm also offering a sliding scale so I'm trying to make it as accessible for people to have access. Yeah. I feel you on the sliding scale. I'm very much the coach that's like, okay, I have a set price for the people who need it, who can handle it and who understand the value of what we do, right? When you can, you pay the the top dollar because these things are so unbelievably valuable. And yet as practitioners offering a sliding scale is like our heart on display. It's the thing where like, we love everybody to healing as much as we can. And we would love to just give this to you, but also we need to eat. So let us have a balance. So thank you for the sliding scale on behalf of all the people who need it. (laughs) Um, That's a really wonderful practice, but Rubia, thank you. This has been such an encouraging conversation, especially hearing that anger does not last forever. If you choose to be intentional guys, (laughs) it it, it can lessen. One last lesson on anger. If, uh, I don't know if you're a Marvel fan, but. Oh, big time. Yeah. Okay. So the Hulk, right? I don't know which one. I can't even tell which which movie. And someone asked him like, how, how do you not get angry anymore? Like, how do you, how are you not turning into the Hulk? And like, so, so quickly anymore. And his response, and I might be butchering this, but his response was, oh, I'm still angry. I just, I just don't tap into it anymore. So it's still there. And again, once I identified it as grief, then you just, you, you're kinder to yourself in your process yeah. once you identify it that way. I'm just going to tell you, that's actually the Bruce Banner as presented by Mark Ruffalo in the Avengers yes. movie. Yes, yes. Talking to my favorite Captain America. And there he says, go. that's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. I'm always, there you go. Thank you. Yes. You said it better than I You're yes. absolutely welcome. Yes. I love those. I, uh, the beauty of that character is because he shows you what integration looks like. Yeah. He absolutely. In that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thank you, Mandy. It was an honor and privilege. You're a brilliant communicator. There's probably a lot of Gemini in your charge. (laughs) I'll tell you afterwards. (laughs) Thanks everybody. (laughs) 